Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Caldwell with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we bring you Talking in Circles. We're going to discuss the racing in the race this weekend from New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, it was the Foxwoods Hotel and Casino four, uh, 301 from the New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Uh, Brad Kozlowski, a dominant win. We'll discuss that also. Kozlowski making news today. He re-signed the contract at Team Penske, but an interesting little detail about that. We'll get into that and what that means. Also, we'll discuss Bubba Wallace's future in NASCAR. Some news coming out this week. He's a candidate for the uh, 42 car at Chip Ganassi Racing. Also, apparently has a deal to own a team, or at least partially own a team, in the Cup Series. We'll discuss that. And we'll preview this weekend's racing, of course, uh, from Michigan for the trucks and uh, the Cup Series. And you have Road, Road America this weekend uh, for the Xfinity Series. 917-889-8280. That's the number to call here tonight. On Talking Circles, if you want to get on and discuss anything you want to talk about the NASCAR world. But yesterday, Philip, it was the Foxwoods uh, Resort Casino 301 from New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Because Brad Kozlowski was winning really a dominant win, and, and I discussed this a little bit earlier in the year. Kozlowski um, was a guy who I think a couple of his wins, not that he stole them, but he wasn't nearly the best race car and both of his wins earlier this year, but there's no question that he has certainly was the, was the driver to win and, and the driver to beat at Loudon. And recently, you know, because I still have a little bit of a rough start this year, but since we've come back from the pandemic, he has been very, very fast, very, very strong, and I think he's now put himself in the conversation as far as the championship is concerned. What are your thoughts about Brad Keselowski and his dominating win yesterday at New Hampshire? Yeah, it definitely was a, a dominant win, Clayton. I mean, to beat one of the guys that's been a been one of the front runners all year with Hamlin and and lead more than half the race. Basically, they traded the lead the whole day. Uh, for Brad to do that, that's the first time in a long time he's had a race like that. Um, and you're right about how he won the 600 and he won at Bristol. It was good fortune to say the least that he had to get those wins, but it doesn't matter how you get wins. It's all that matters is you get them. You know, there's no style, there's no uh, style points to it. So it ain't figure skating. So, um, but yesterday it was a good old fashioned uh, woodshed whipping on everybody outside of Denny, Denny Hamlin. And, uh, when you consider all the things that have been going on, all the rumors, all the things that he's, you know, he does him in his way, all the, for him to perform the way he has this year, he's second in points in overall points. So with a new crew chief that prior to this year with Ryan Blaney, um, they, they've just not had the same kind of week to week results. But they they quoted him, uh, the crew chief for Brad there, um, and he said that when he when he got moved over to the two car, he said I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure you stay for the rest of your career, or something along those lines. And the way that 
the way that he has run this year, and now that he has signed back, Jeremy Bowens has um, been a, a big, and that that twelve that pit crew has been outstanding and has been really good for a long time. And um, just in general, to have that kind of run, it, it makes me miss the fact that they don't have two races at New Hampshire right now because New Hampshire is one of the only racetracks they have left where you can actually race. They ran the 750 package. They actually applied PJ1 properly for once, the grip strip. I mean, it actually was worthwhile. It was a worthwhile race. There was action all through the field. So, um, yeah, definitely great day for Brad, two crew, Penske Racing. Um, for me as a fan, it was pretty good, and I just spent another 60 bucks on a die cat. So it is what it is. And he's <laughs> back in a, in, a, in a Ford. He's staying in a Ford. Uh, he's not going to the Eagle Empire, so it's all good. Yeah, it was a uh, – usually when you think about New Hampshire and, and uh, everything that goes – with that place, you think of, of Joe Gibbs racing because Joe Gibbs has had so much success here over the last, you know, um, 10 or 12 years. And this weekend was no different. Denny Hamlin ran really well. Martin Trix Jr. was really good. Um, but, you know, one of their drivers and, and, you know, early on in this event, I mean, lap 17, Kyle Busch blows the right front tire, hits the wall hard, Ends his day, um, so that was kind of a surprise, and, and just another sign that 2020 is not the year for Kyle Busch. But you know, when you look at Hamlin and Truex, Hamlin was really the only guy who I thought could could run with Kozlowski yesterday at times. Uh, he was the only guy that had Kozlowski's speed. Um, but what did you think about Hamlin and, and Truex, and uh, and the other guy I thought was really fast, and, and a guy that's close to your heart as well because you like Stuart Haas there was Harvick. I mean. Harvick lost track position. I thought Rodney Childers for the first time, you know, it doesn't happen often, so mark this down. Kind of got the race kind of got away from him. He lost his track position. But let me tell you something. That four car went from about 24th to 4th on that, or to 5th, excuse me, ended up on that last run. Nearly got 4th on Logano there at the end, too. Um, that was a very, very impressive run for Kevin Harvick. But I think when you look at those three, and really those four, uh, Kozlowski, Hamlin, Truex, and Harvick, I think those are the guys you got to look at for the championship, and they were certainly on display as well um, at at New Hampshire Motor Speedway. Yeah, absolutely. The we I think we have started to kind of weed everything out to where we know who are who the the key contenders are. Um, of course, we knew Harvick. I mean, to come back as far as he was back in traffic. A lot of guys struggled even with this, with the package, with the kind of raceability they had yesterday to kind of make moves, try to get through. Uh, there were some people like Karvik, like Reddick, um, that were able to do things. And the, even though Kevin Harvick didn't have the best day, he only scored one stage points in one stage, he still got a fit. It's, it's, Kevin Harvick's season reminds me of pre, pre-chase pre uh, days. You know, he wins his races, but when he doesn't win, he's top 10-ing and top 5-ing the deck, which at the end of the day, even once they get to the playoff, does pay because he's going to get the regular season points uh, championship in 15. As we saw last year with Kyle Busch, he basically 
uh, mailed it in for nine races and sailed into the into the homestead race and had the opportunity because of his two teammates to go and win that championship. So getting for Harvick, not having a great day, it isn't as big of a deal because they don't have two races in New Hampshire. He still got a fifth place. Saying it was a bad day and he had a fifth place finish, that's the kind of expectations you have with Harvick when he's a champion and a championship favorite. Hamlin being up there, Truex is starting to make gains. It was not uh, an easy start for him and James Small, but James Small's fiery, and I think that really gets Martin going. Um, he's kind of ornery, he gets all whiny and stuff, but I think that James Small's personality and his personality mesh very well, and I think there's some, like, you know, Aussie aggressiveness thing, but I think there's some Bono Mannion and 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 Truex vibes there back in the good old uh, uh, Chance two days uh, when they were coming up. And those four guys uh, right now I would say are definitely the four best drivers right now this season. And uh, it's going to be very difficult to see somebody outside of one of those four come through um, of course, you'd have to. You can never count out Kyle Busch, no matter how bad his season may be. I think that's the only guy, uh, maybe Chase Elliott. But you know, there really, I don't see anybody else right now that could really stand in one of those four guys' way of winning this championship. Yeah, and you know, when you go a little deeper in the rundown and you talk about guys who have really had pretty good years, one one guy that really needed a good run on Sunday and had it was Matthew Benedetto. We talked about him uh, at nauseam last week where he really needed to put it all together because it was looking like he was start, the season was starting to get away from him. He had some bad luck involved in accidents that weren't his fault. But finishes sixth, a solid, solid day, and it really helps him in points. Most importantly for that 21 car, it stops the bleeding. So that was a big run for him in sixth. Eric Amarola was seventh. Uh, and I think one of the most underrated runs of the night of the day was Cole Custer and A's. And, and you know, that wasn't A's because he got up there and, and you know, stayed on, on old tires and, uh, you know, kind of got a little bit lucky and played the strategy right. He was the top 10 car pretty much all day. Um, so those, those guys there, those forwards of, of Deep Adeno, Amarola, again, another top 10 run for him. And then you have Cole Custer there. Uh, those guys really impressed me because, you know, it, it was – a battle for them all day, and they're able to come out and finish in the top, really the top half of the top ten there, um, or six through ten there. Um, what were your thoughts on, on those three guys, Di Benedetto, Amarola, and Custer, Philip? Yeah, I mean, Di Benedetto's been bumming out recently. You know, they haven't gotten the finish they probably deserve. The way that 21 ran pre-COVID, they were looking great. They've had moments post-COVID return. Um that have been good, and then they've also had their fair share of bad luck. When you consider that the Daytona road course is a wild card, and he has shown to be pretty solid there, um, it's an opportunity to finally go and get that first win, get the Wood Brothers 100th win. Eric Almarola has been really, really consistent all in it for, I don't know, the last however many months. And him and Bogoravich are – are, are preparing for this, uh, this playoff. Uh, you know, I don't know if they're going to win. They seem to draw the pole almost every week, which is something to me when it's random, but 
you know, Eric Almirola is very consistent, and he's always shown that going back to the trucks, Xfinity, when he drove the truck for Billy Ballou, finished second in points the one year, then he drove for Junior, finished third in the Xfinity series. He knows how to points race. And at the end of the day, he, he, there's, there isn't going to be another, I don't know, five or six different winners now. You know, um, I think both of those guys have a great chance, even Cole Custer, of course, at next week at, uh, at Michigan in a doubleheader. Ford has done really well there in recent years. Um, that would also be a great deal for D. Benedetto and 21 team to go and win there at, at Michigan. But um, those guys, um, I mean, Custer is just trying to build up, to build his experience, understanding these cars with the two different rules packages that race completely different than the Xfinity car, as they said during the broadcast. And he's starting to pick it up, too. And, frankly, it shows that, you know, at least three of the four cars of Stuart Haas Racing are carrying their weight. Um, and and with with Al Marolo's performance and Custer's performance, they look to be able to at least advance one, possibly two rounds. Um, I would think Al Marolo has a better chance of two rounds than Custer, but um, they definitely, I think, will be solid uh, contenders within the early rounds of the of this uh, chase. Um, D. Benedetto making it with the 21 team would be a huge deal. Uh, they did it with uh, Blaney. But um, yeah, I think this team, I think, might be a little better than what they they were when Blaney and, and that crew Collins was there. So uh, good yeah. good uh, day, points day for sure, Clayton, and uh, probably more of that I would think to come this weekend. Yeah, and you know, you go a little further through uh, the finishing results. You go ninth, really through seventeenth, uh, and they're all Chevrolets. And, and you know, you say, well, that's good. They're all grouped together. But at the end of the day, they're not. Their highest finishing car was ninth. And, you know, we've talked at nauseum about Chevrolet and, and how they, they got off to a really good start this year, especially Hendrick Motorsports. Uh, we saw Chase have a lot of speed early on. You know, and he kind of gave a couple away. Of course, uh, Kyle Busch took him out one week, and then he had a pit stop where he was kind of a sitting duck, and, and it cost him a, a win. But, you know, Chase at one point in this season was second in the standings after Homestead. And right now he's fifth. That's not bad, but you know he hasn't had a top five since Pocono. He's got one top five in his last eight races. Um, you know it's just been eh for this nine team, and it seems like right now Hendrick Motorsports is just a little bit behind from where they started the year. Now maybe the lack of practice has hurt them. Uh, who knows? But you know to me it, it's it's a real sign that Chevrolet and Hendrick has really lost it. You know, even Bowman was second in points when we came back at Darlington. And right now he sits 11th, you know, and that's a big time drop. Uh, he finished 15th. So when you look at the Chevrolet's group there, and let me run them down for you quick. You had uh, Chase Elliott in ninth, Tyler Reddick, which is a good run for him in 10th. Uh, William Byron 11th, Jimmy Johnson 12th, Austin Dillon 13th, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. pretty good day in 14th. Alex Bowman, 15th. Ryan Priest finally uh, finished the race in 16th. And then Kurt Busch, another struggling day for him in 17th. You know, it's just a sign to me, Philip, that right now the Chevys are just a wee bit behind the Fords and the Toyotas. And uh, they're going to need to find some speed here if they really want to compete for this championship. And, you know, Reddick's had a pretty good run of it recently, but he's still outside the points 
we're starting to get to the, to the point in the season here where you really have to start running off some good runs and getting some stage points. So Reg's going to be somebody to keep an eye on. But what do you think about those Chevrolets there uh, mixed in from 9th through 17th? Um, and anybody that really stood out to you? Yeah, I would I would go and say, I mean, I would say Priest, but I would also look at, uh, I would look at the Kurt Busch. You know, he he's a guy who's won at New Hampshire multiple times. He's really good there. These kind of racetracks are the are the type of track where he usually goes and takes advantage of his driving skill and ability. And I don't know what it is. Uh, this, I mean, it, it, it's a Chevy problem across the board. Um, outside of JTG Doherty, who has had a nightmare season outside of Ricky Stenhouse's pole at the 500 and uh, second place at Talladega, it has been an absolute disaster for that organization this year. The step they've taken two steps back at a minimum. Priest is probably already looking at where he's going to be running a modified next year. You know, like it. And and but at least yesterday we saw the talent that Ryan Priest has because I think it was a more mechanical grip racetrack and he can show his driving talent. Granted, if there's one racetrack that they go to on the cup schedule that he probably has more experience than most people, it's New Hampshire. But at least they had reasonable runs. But the Kurt Busch and the Ganassi team, the drop-off that they have had has been precipitous. A year ago at this time, they were coming off the momentum of winning at Kentucky, and they were running top 10, no worse top 15 every single week, and they were a sleeper to make to to do, have a run in the playoff this year they are not a factor at all um of course we've we've talked about ad nauseum everything with the 42 um with the previous driver and now with matt kenseth the the ad issues again and so he's he's it's going to take a hail mary for him it's going to take a hail mary for uh no newman whoever to to try to make it and there's no Nothing that they have done post this return that tells you that that's going to happen. I don't see Kurt Busch winning this year. I don't see Chevys outside of Chase Elliott or possibly Tyler Reddick doing anything in this playoff, if Reddick even makes it. He needs to win, probably, to to get in. Um, but, yeah, I was really surprised by the lack of performance with Kurt Busch. been a disappointing season after such a really good, uh, like, basically regular season last year. Um, I don't know what has happened with that organization in general, but I think the Chevy problems are back. Even though the body style, I think, is better, less issues downforce-wise, they just do not have pace, and, and, and it's a problem, and you don't have, they're not going to have practice. They're going to have these, quote, random draws, end quote. It's, it's a problem. It really is, and I'll tell you, you know, you bring up a great point about, about Kurt Busch. You know, he, had, he was great last year, and maybe a little bit is that Kenseth, it, Kenseth is still learning these cars. He had another miserable day yesterday. Uh, he met three different times. Uh, at at New Hampshire, I mean, and this is a guy who's won there three times in his career, so it's just been a a disastrous season for that 42. And, and Kurt's been struggling. There's no question; he's been consistent. He hasn't wrecked, but they just don't have the speed to run in the top five and win on a weekly basis. And 
to me, Kurt Busch is still a driver who can win races and is still a lot of talent. So right now something's off on that Chip Ganassi team and, and, and Chevrolet as a whole. Um, and so they got to figure it out here. They really need to, before this regular season ends, or they're, like you said, they're not going to compete for a championship at all. You know, I, I don't mean to speculate, and I hope this isn't anything, but I, I do believe there's going to be some news here in the next day or two about Hendrick Motorsports, whether that's shutting a team down or whether for next year or whether that's a crew, some crew chief moves. Um, and I'll get to that a little bit later, but I do think there's going to be some some news about Hendrick Motorsports. So, And that's the flagship team still at Chevrolet. And to me, if they start running good, they start performing well, the, it'll, you know, it'll show the other Chevrolet teams. You know, um, Ganassi gets their engines from Hendrick. Uh, so does JTG Daugherty. So there's still some, some – if they run good – you know, you'll you'll start to see um, the other Chevrolet teams, I think, pick up. But even Chattanoff said this week, you know, listen, we don't just need to win races yet in that 24 car, and um, they don't. You know, Byron was okay yesterday, but it was a uh, it was a tough, tough night for Chevrolet. Tough day for Chevrolet yesterday. Um, and as we go a little further through the through the lineup, a couple things I want to get to. One, and I know this isn't going to be very popular, but listen, he deserves a shout out because when you look at the points. He's right now is the highest he's ever been in his career, and he's really, really figured it out as far as running in the top 20 this year, um, and that's Michael McDowell. He's got three consecutive top 20 finishes. Uh, he's 20th right now in the standings, and that helps because it's helped by Bubba Wallace. Uh, he, he got fined some points yesterday, uh, docked some points yesterday because his car had, had a legal weight attached, I guess, him and uh, Corey the Joyce car. So before the race, they had a le- they had a legal ballast or some kind of, something with ballast that that cost them some points. So that's why McDowell's twentieth. But he's had a good year. I mean, that front row motorsports team has never finished in the top twenty points except for you know when they um, won that rain shortened race at Pocono. Uh, they never finished out of the twentieth in points. And McDowell's really figured it out. Listen, been better than Roush, and that's where I'm going to lead my next point to is what in the world is going on at Roush Fenway Racing. Uh, Ryan Newman, 21st yesterday, Chris Buescher, 25th. Um, and, and they've never been great at Loudon. Loudon's not really their, their racetrack. It's been a long time since they've really run good at Loudon, probably back to, to the uh, Jeff Burton days. But this is alarming. This is a team that hasn't really shown a lot of speed in recent years. Um, Newman sort of carried that team on, the back, on their back last year. He really pulled off some really, really strong runs to get in the playoffs last year in that six car. But here we are a year later in 2020, and I know Newman missed some races, but even in older points, they're not very good. Apparently, it got so bad on the radio yesterday, I read that um, Newman wasn't talking to his crew chief. Uh, so at the end of the race, they didn't even say anything when the race ended. Uh, Scott Graves, his crew chief, they weren't even talking. Chris Busher is a very mild-mannered guy, but it's just been a disaster, in my opinion, from Roush Fenway. Uh, and that's a team that had had its glory days. You know, we, we go back 10, 15 years ago in this sport, they were on top of the world in the in the Banner 4 team, and right now they are really struggling. And like you said, Philip, there's no practice here to get better. If you're struggling here, you're going to have to build it in, in these cars. You really got to figure it out. And just another tough day for Roush Fenway. And the fact that Front Row Motorsports – has more speed on a weekly basis than Roush Fenway is very, very alarming. Uh, what were your thoughts on, on that subject yesterday? 
Yeah, I mean, you talk about McDowell minus some of the antics he has, he has shown uh, recently. For him to run that high, I don't think he's ever sniffed the top 20 in his life in a cup car in general, you know, points-wise. I mean, he's had his share, a share of top 10 or 15 here and there. I think John Hunter Nemechek, uh, when he got into that 36 car last year with Seth Barber, something clicked there. Um John Hunter struggled. I, I would also say that GMS wasn't really committed to that program. But once he got into a cup car, him and Seth Barber vibed really good. And since then, you have seen, uh, you have seen the, this front row team take a step forward. While we see other teams that are contracting or are going out of business because of the costs and other issues that come with how NASCAR manages the sport. Manufacturers seem to manipulate the sport. Bob Jenkins somehow or another has went from, you know, start and park, basically field filler to a legitimate car to win races at certain tracks, of course, mainly the super speedways and the short tracks. And even, you know, if Michael McDowell switches it on right, he's a road he's a road racer. But John Hunter Nemechek, I would say, as much as anything, has been a big reason why. Um, and that's why he's a, he has a future somewhere else, um, driving for a bigger team, unless Front Row gets more Ford support or something changes within the Ford infrastructure, considering they have some drivers and they're running out of places to put them. But... Yeah, you look at Roush, you think about it, 15 years ago, they had five teams, all five of them made the playoff, Rick Hendrick cried wolf. Now they can't even finish in the top 20. Um, it's, and Ryan Newman is another one. I, I, you look at the way that J, you, you look at uh, Ganassi, you look at JTG Doherty, the way they ran with Busher last year and how bad they've been this year. And then Roush with how Newman ran last year and how awful it's been this year. I mean, granted, you know, we, what we, we Fox insists on showing it 8,000 times a day, but what he went through at Daytona, if he wins the Daytona 500, it, the fact they suck wouldn't matter. He won the Daytona 500. He could go one and done, and he won the Daytona 500. He's a two-time Daytona 500 winner. He's probably going to the Hall of Fame. Instead, he goes in the fence, catches the thing, the magic card runs over him, all this thing, he's in the hospital, all this stuff, and now the Roush Fenway team is nowhere. And I cannot I cannot understand, I mean, the, the whole disconnect that's going on there is bad. That's a bad deal between uh, the crew chief and Newman. He's a stubborn guy as it is. He's ran through crew chief his whole career, um, so it's not shocking. The Busher deal shocks me. Um, yeah, he won that Xfinity title. People use that to talk about a certain other driver, about his abilities. And he's won, he won that one race for front row. But I think it, it I would, I would assume, I, I believe it's a crew chief problem there, but I also think it's a car problem because they don't have good cars. And I would have never thought that in that I would see the day where front row not only has better cars, they have, like you said, better speed 
and honestly, amongst the, the four drivers that they have, the one driver that has the most hope is at front row, and the guy that's the most consistent is also at front row. So, I mean, it's it's something. And uh, we've got some wild cards coming up and uh, some opportunities, I would say, two Dover races um, will be an endurance test, two Michigan races I don't think are going to be so great. The Daytona Road Course and the Coke Zero 400 are definite wild cards. So um, maybe fuel mileage, maybe that that comes into play for for some of these teams. But yeah. Ralph Fenway has had a precipitous drop off. It looks like the Bud Moores and, and Junior Johnsons and and Robert Yates, and, Yates, you know, insert teams, insert teams that that disappeared after years of great performance. Roush is going down that path too. Well, that's the thing. It's you know, that's my my what my next question would have been is, will they ever come back? And and you know, it breaks your heart a little bit because the sport changes and you you look at an iconic team and they're just struggling right now. And, and let me just say one more time, give a call also. You talk about Michael McDowell and uh, uh, John Hunter-Nemechek and Seth Barber, but you know, Michael McDowell's crew chief is Drew Blickensdurfer, who was the crew chief at Roush Fenway. He's been fired a few times. He's done a very, very, very good job in that 34 car that, with that 34 car this year. Uh, they're 11 points back of the six right now in owner points. So just shows you how good they've been um, and how how close they are to Roush Fenway this season. Nine one seven eight eight nine eight two eight zero. New Hampshire was the only race. Um, this weekend, of course, with the cup race in New Hampshire was the only race this weekend. You had uh, Xfinity and Trucks have a week off. So they're really all, um, as far as the racing is concerned, all we have. But there's certainly some news here in the last couple of days. I'll start with, with the oldest news first, then we'll discuss the more recent news, which came out today. Um, but yesterday and in, in Saturday it was reported that Bubba Wallace, uh, is a candidate for the 42 car at Chip Ganassi Racing. Now, I'm going to say this, and, uh, you know, if you listen to the show, um, take it for what it's worth, but I have been told that that Brad, uh, Bubba Wallace to the 42 is pretty much a done deal. Now, um, whether or not that's a, a deal or not is, you know, for you, for you to decide, but I've been told that it's very close, if not a done deal. Now, it came out yesterday that Richard Petty Motorsports, his current ride in the 43, has offered him an ownership stake in the 43 if he stays. Um, it's in the 10 to 20% range, the ownership stake at Richard Petty Motorsports if he stays. So right now, Philip, and, you know, I talked about it a little bit earlier, Bubba Wallace is a guy who hasn't won an Xfinity race, uh, hasn't won a cup race, probably not his doing because his Xfinity Series rides was Rash Fenway, and that team was on, the, on the, you know, on the uh, decline, he hasn't really gotten yeah. a good opportunity in the Cup Series with that 43 car, uh, but he's, he did very well in trucks when he was there. Um, it's certainly interesting. It shows you, I think, how much his popularity is, has boosted up here in the last uh, three, two or three months. He's gotten a lot of more sponsorship opportunities because of that, um, and I really think McDonald's is, is, is a driving force behind him getting the 42. And listen, if Bubba gets it, good for him. I, I would hope uh, he is ready. That's my one thing is is that maybe it's a year or two too soon. Other people might disagree with that. But what are your thoughts on, on this Bubba Wallace deal? And would you consider that deal with the 43 and RPM? I mean, 
That's a solo car operation. They don't have really much else as far as Xfinity or trucks or anything else. They're a solo car cup team with not a ton of sponsorship there. What are your thoughts on a whole Wild situation? Yeah, I, the, I mean, on that last part, I'll, I'll start with that. There's no effing way I would I would take that job or take that option. Um, if I if what we've heard, which is the 42 is in play, the 48 might be in play. Um, there might be some other things that might be out there as well. If you're telling me nothing else is out there, and somebody's going to tell you you can own a race team. 20% of a race team. Okay, fine. I, I could think. I think that there's some some uh, semblance of uh, of value, but of course, I also look at on the flip side of the fact that Barney Visser had built a team from nothing, made it a champion, and Joe Gibbs and Toyota put him out of business basically in a couple three years, and the same thing is about to happen to Bob Levine. Um, which is where I look at what is Bubble Walls really. I don't care who he has. It, it goes back to some of the things I've said here and on my show and my other show and other places. He would have to have, like, you know, LeBron James or Jay-Z or some big-time mogul or big-time sponsor like McDonald's to justify making like some huge kind of investment like that. And if McDonald's wants to be with the 42 team, which it looks like that's what they wanted, the previous driver they had there, they had him as a, as a driver and they still sponsor the 42. They still have credit one. They have, um, you know, other options there. If they want him, it's not the first time that's happened in this sport that a sponsor has determined a driver. Um, I do think that his uh, driving style, if he were to go to the 42, would be uh, a good match along with Kurt Busch, who is mellowed out in his career and the end of his career, and I think they would work very well together. I also look at the opportunities based on charters and things that might go around. Ross Chastain's also in play um, for Spencer and for all of us. We all have a mutual uh, respect for Ross Chastain. I think Chastain's in play to be in the Cup Series uh, next year with, with Ganassi. And because of what things are going on, you know, he doesn't have a sports car team anymore. I think when we talk about Brad, that will also come up. I think they have the resources to expand and compete, albeit now when you look, we talk about Chevy, maybe that's not the best idea. If, if the 42 is on the table and he's going to get that ride and McDonald's is going to be the main sponsor, God bless him, take that opportunity, give it a shot. It's the best ride he's had since uh, he drove for Kyle Busch and Toyota. Um, I think he can do yeah. some work there. He can compete for a playoff spot. That's really what he's looking at initially. But there will be a time where Ganassi's going to be like, you better start winning. He he has a habit of getting rid of people real quick, unless he really likes them or they perform for him. That's how Ganassi's done things for decades. So um, we will see what happens and what really comes through in terms of that. 
Yeah, and, and your last point, Philip, I think is tremendous because that to me is the only thing of why I, I would consider the 43 if I was Bubba Wallace is, you know, when you get to, if you go to the 42 and you struggle for two or three years, and, and listen, I'm not trying to say he's going to, but it's a tough, tough sport. There's no question. And you talked about Chevrolet. They've struggled for sure. But if you struggle for two or three years and you don't win, that could mean the end of your career because one, a lot of guys get one, maybe two shots at this thing, and then they're gone. Uh, and, you know, you could either run in the back in the, in the Cup Series or maybe go to Xfinity and get a decent ride. But other than that, you're, you're as far as being a, a guy who can really run consistently uh, in, the, in the Cup Series for wins, if you got one or two shots at it, and it's probably – three to four years, and if you don't start to show that you're making progress, at least towards the win, um, it, it could mean the end of your career, and there's so many factors that determine that. One of the factors I think you look at is, is Jerry Baxter, who RPM, I think, paid a lot of money to come up, to, to woo over from uh, GMS Racing this year, and maybe Baxter would make the trip to him with Chip Ganassi. Let me say this, if Bubba's got you know, the RPM deal, he's got some leverage. You could say, listen, I want if I'm going to the 42, I don't want Chad Johnson, I want Jerry Baxter. Him and I work together great. We understand each other. He's a great crew chief. He left a good, good uh, truck ride for me to come to come to the Cup Series 4 with me, and I want him to come to the 42. I totally could see that happening. But that if that doesn't happen and Chip says, listen, you're not going to pick a crew chief kid, you know, that could be something to keep him there. Also, I think the fact that of what, what I said earlier, where you know three or four years, if he struggles, you know he could stay at RPM six, seven years down the road if he chose to, because he's a part owner of that team. It'd be harder to get rid of him. They'd have to buy him out if they wanted to do that. There's a lot more financially involved with it. And I think Andrew Burstein, who's been looking for this type of driver, I remember you know three or four years ago, Burstein was talking about bringing in Danica Patrick. He's been looking for a driver who's a little bit more unique and can market themselves in a different way than anybody else, whether it was a minority driver or something to that nature. Merstein's really been looking um, for somebody like that for a lot of years, and he's got that with Bubba Wallace. I don't think he wants to leave him, but unfortunately, and and I say that when I said about uh, Gadassi earlier, you know, here's the thing. I'd rather have a shot than never get one, and I believe that that 42 is a shot. From a Wallace, it's a shot to, to show, hey, I can, I can be here, I can run here, I can, I can do this. Uh, he deserves that opportunity. Now, does he deserve that opportunity over a guy like Chastain? Maybe not. And I would feel terrible for Ross because Ross would be put into an opportunity where, um, you know, again he sort of gets passed by by Chip Ganassi for the what seems like the third or fourth year or second or third year in a row. You know, he should have been. He should have been hired for that 42 this year. Kansas has been a disaster, um, and I love that Kansas. He's the first ballot Hall of Famer. Don't get me wrong, but it's just not working there. Um, so, what I'm getting at is, is it's it's an opportunity I think Bubba has to take if you're at a 42. I don't care what it is, and and to me, uh, Baxter has to be part of that deal because him and Baxter have worked together so so well, um, and you know it, it leaves a lot of questions. We'll discuss a little bit more of the silly season here. Uh, because not only is the 42 up in the air, there's a few rides that are right, right now when you looked at it when this season started 
that there's a lot of questions about who's going to be in that car. One was the 42 because of Larson. When Larson left that team, all of a sudden that 42 opened up. The 48's uh, an interesting ride, and we'll discuss that a little bit later as well. Um, also, the 2 was a ride that I think a lot of people looked at, and the 20, because that's not really 100% sure yet. Eric Jones has been rumored to be out of there or not. But the 2 car, which is in that conversation, Philip, um, they got their answer, t- answer today. Uh, Brad Keselowski is staying there. That's a one-year contract. At Team Penske for Brad Keselowski. You're a Keselowski guy. You follow that team close. What were your thoughts today when you read the news that Brad Keselowski was staying at Team Penske on a one-year deal? Uh, relief. Um, I mean, the fact is the, the thing you you talked about, Clayton, way back in January, uh, that he was that Brad was going to go to the 48 car. Uh, the longer this went on, this is the second time this has happened about three or four years or whatever. The last time he had a contract on on the table or they were doing negotiations, I think it was the 88 was in play because I think Junebug was about to quit. And then because of his injuries and all that. So then I'm like, there's no – there. I mean, if he had went to the 88 car, that would have been a, such a downgrade – that was even when Hendrick was still good. Um, the 48 taking that over, you never want to, I mean, you, you, you're a sports guy like myself, Clayton, you look at the legendary players. You don't want to have to follow a legend. Um, you don't want to have to be the, that person. You want to be the person after that person. And I mean, God bless Brad. He has a pretty big ego. He's, he thinks very highly of himself and some of his uh, thoughts. At least for one year, I think what it is is they're trying to figure out financials. Penske is going to lose the, the sports car program. They are in flux in terms of the IndyCar program. It looks like they're going to at least make one change. He may not be involved in the Australian V8 supercars after this year. So there's a lot of things going on, plus the fact that, of course, Penske uh, runs and owns Indianapolis Motor Speedway and uh, IndyCar Series. So there's a whole lot of uh, uh, things, irons in the fire, a lot of things turning. Um, and for at least for one year, um, if they can find a little more backing uh, to to get Brad to possibly stay there for the rest of his career, it'd be a good thing. I think because he's won 32 races for Penske as a Cup driver, he's won all but the Daytona 500 in terms of the majors. He's he's a champion, whether you want to like him or not. He has been in contention to win more than just the one championship. He beat Jimmy Johnson heads up for his championship, so. It's a relief for me uh, because I just don't see what he gains from going to Hendrick Motorsports to be play second fiddle to Chase Elliott. I, I, the, that team has become a trinket-selling business, and Chase Elliott wins most popular driver and wins a race here and there. They're not the same Hendrick Motorsports that we knew three, four years ago, let alone you know, 10, 15 years ago. 
For sure. And and I'll tell you, um, you know, I made that prediction in January, if you remember back, uh, and I wish I had the show and I, I had time to record it tonight uh, and cut it up and play it back. But, you know, when that crew chief change happened with Kozlowski, I was like, oof. You know, because him and Paul Wolf had such a good relationship and they had so much success. I said, I really don't like that as far as what 2020 is concerned and what his future holds with this organization. I'll be the first one to say I was dead wrong. I think him and Jeremy Bowens right now, for whatever reason, it's lit, lit a fire under Brad Kozlowski and said, you know what, it's time. And they are running good, and they have just, in this year, in my opinion, they have just hit their peak. They have found speed, They will, and it just seems like whatever move they made, um, the, whether it's a relationship, if, you know, I thought Paul Wolf and him were like, you know, you couldn't break him up, so I was shocked. But it was it was the right move. I, I really believe that. I think this is the right move for Brad Keselowski. It's been a great year. And a one-year deal I wouldn't be too concerned about because I think it was more of a financial deal with this COVID-19 thing. I think a lot of teams are going to be strapped for money. I don't think sponsorships are going to be there. I've heard a couple of a big-time um, partners for organizations are going to not be there next year. Um, and so I think that's why Brad Keselowski was there. And here's the other thing. Um, you know, when you talk about the 48 and Brad potentially going to 48. Now, here's why I thought Brad was going to go to the 48. I thought Brad was going to go to 48 because Ally Financial was a sponsor that is paying Jimmy Johnson a ton of money, um, and, Jimmy, and rightfully so. I'm not trying to sit there and say Jimmy doesn't deserve the money. He's a seven-time champion. He does. And I thought they wanted a big-name driver. But here's, you know, I think a, a rumor that has a little bit more legs than I gave it a week ago, and I think it kind of poo-pooed Spencer last week and and – uh, on the three cars at Hendrick Motorsports, but I think this is a possibility of something that can happen now. Um, I think Hendrick could go to three teams. That's something that's picked up steam here in the last couple of days. Um, and, and Bowman moves to the 48, and they have Bowman, Chase Elliott, and William Byron. I know we talked about it at nauseum uh, last week, but I just want to get your opinion on it again here quick. Uh, and now that we know Brad is for certain um, in this two-car what about if Hendrick dropped the team and went to three cars? What would your thoughts be there, um, and do you think that would help the organization? I mean, it's an incredible irony because going back to the whole Roush conversation we had a little bit ago, Clayton, where where you had Hendrick getting all mad that five teams made the playoffs and Jeff Gordon didn't make it, and he got all butthurt about it. Now we're the great financial situation that NASCAR has and the the way that they the, the RTA and all these stupid things they have. I I never thought I would see the day where Rick Hendrick would be contracting teams. He didn't want to have five teams. He could have, and it's why he lost Brad Keselowski in the first place. Um, he had he decided to keep Mark Martin well past his. It's expiration after one good year and he passed on Brad and Brad went to Penske and he's done what he's done. He could have had Brad, he could have had Kyle Busch. He decided to sell trinkets. That's that's what this thing is. Jimmy Johnson as ever since he backed into the 2016 title has not been the same guy. If they go and contract the three teams and they put Bowman in the 48, it, it is what it is. I mean, Bowman's a nice guy. He's an interesting character, funny, does some good podcasts, whatever. He has 
his midget team and all that. It's not the Hendrick Motorsports is not the same thing as what we've had before for decades. Uh, I remember starting watching this sport in '92 and '93, and Hendrick was there. They weren't, you know, that elite organization. They're building up. Then Jeff Gordon took off in '94. They got Terry Labonte, and then they started up this upswing up the mountain to being the best team in this sport. And between Chevy taking a dump, between Hendrick, I don't know, whatever Hendrick's problem is, between them deciding they want to sell trinkets over being race winners, deciding Clyde winning most popular driver matters more than, than being a championship contender. Hey, it's it's something I never thought I would see, that Hendrick would be an also-ran type organization. They're not as bad off as Roush or some of them other ones, but... Uh, to to lose a car, I mean, frankly, the 88 car has no sponsorship. It's the same way as how Gene Haas funds the 41 car out of his own pocket. The 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 way money is in this sport before COVID even came in, there were already issues with the financials. There's a reason why Rick Ware has, I think, a hundred cars out on the grid every single race. The financials of this sport are screwed up. They need to be addressed. It's a bigger problem that we probably need to do in another show. Um, but if they've contracted the three teams, it would be shocking, to say the least, but um, something I would have never expected. But, hey, it's what we're going through here in 2020. Yeah, it really is. And, and it you know, it makes another interesting little side note for the silly season. And there's two more things I want to get your opinion on with this silly season. Uh, really three, I guess you can put in there. And, you know, before we end our show and we, and we go to preview Michigan uh, and the Xfinity race at Red America this weekend, um, the 20 car, that's a ride that sort of up in the air right now. Eric Jones hasn't re-signed there. A lot of people had Jones maybe filling in at the two car. Um, if Brad left, not happening now. We know that. Uh, maybe they, they also had him while he'll fill in for the 48 at Jimmy Johnson. Doesn't seem like that is happening. Um, there's also a one-year deal with the 21 car with Matthew Benedetto. Um, maybe he could go there. Um, but Benedetto's really had a good year so far this year, and I don't know if they want to, if they, they could re-sign him. I'm not sure there's much to gain. So I guess what I'm getting at is, and I guess it's two questions into one, what do you think about the future for Eric Jones? You see him staying in this 20 car? And what about the 20 car? I mean, Christopher Bell, you know, there's a lot of rumors right now that that 95 car is going to shut down at the end of the year. I've heard it multiple times. I've heard multiple sources that the 95 is just, you know, with COVID, the businesses that Bob Levine has haven't really, um, you know, responded well with the COVID-19 pandemic, and he's thinking about closing that team down. So that leaves sort of Christopher Bell kind of in limbo. Um, what are your thoughts on the 20 and Eric Jones? Yeah, Eric Jones is a talent, the guy that Kyle Busch got beat by at the Snowball Derby and decided to put him in a truck, and he's always been able to win and perform. Uh, he has, you know, he has two cup wins in his career. It's Coke Zero 400 and the Southern 500, and he also won the, the clash earlier this year. He 
has he's been he's the fourth team in a team that has three like alpha in the organization. It's the it, it has a lot of the same undertones as as when Joey Logano was at Gibbs and you had Kyle and Denny. Um, I think if Eric Jones got another opportunity wherever he went, he would he would do really well. Um, a, the notion of him going to the two, I never heard that, but that's interesting. That would have been a great, you know, value uh, for Penske if that had come off. I think if if they were really smart and they want to have somebody that has a future for sure, put him in the 21 car. He's he it's 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 house money because you know Gumby they're they're gonna put Sindrick in a car at some point whether it's a fourth Penske car or whatever they'll figure out a way. Um, the the notion Brad's not gonna be around forever. You know Joey's gonna he has a lot of a lot of years. Uh, you know Blaney has a lot of years. But to get a kind of talent like Eric Jones has been prior to Cup in your organization, it'll be yet another example of Toyota just basically feeding other manufacturers' talent, which I, I, I would be fine with. It's typical of Toyota. They they outprice everybody in the sport, and running Bob Levine out of the sport would be a lot, it'd be the same thing as it would be similar to Barney Visser, except the fact that Barney Visser and that team won the championship. And not only have you done that, you've ran out a bunch of good people like Cole Pern. And I think Chris Bell is going to be in the 20 car next year um, because Gibbs has made it his job that he doesn't want to lose Chris Bell, and so does Toyota. Um, they're going to have to make some adjustments there to make sure that the 20 car can perform at the same level as the other three teams on a weekly basis. Um, but, yeah, I, if Eric Jones – I, I I think if Hendrick wanted to keep four cars and he really wanted to take a, a risk, there's two guys that he ought to be looking at if he really wants to keep four cars. It's Eric Jones or Tyler Reddick. After that, you might as well just go and contract and and do whatever you want to do because I don't see – I mean, I don't really see a future of Bowman being a champion or being a, a legitimate contender. I also don't see that with William Byron. I think the only person they have in that organization that has a future in some sort is Chase Elliott. So that's where Hendrick is. Um, Eric Jones would be somebody that could shift that um, and make them have to show up because kid has talent and he showed it for many years. And uh, we will see, though. Uh, it's definitely – COVID has definitely messed with things. It really has. And, and you know, I've heard uh, multiple – things as well that I don't want to go on the air yet because it's just kind of rumors with, but uh, there's certainly some, some other things that could play, play out as well. And, and, and Eric Jones, listen, I, you know, just scrolling through the, the team list, you know, Boyer may be out of the 14, maybe you put him there. Uh, you know, I, if Boyer stays there, who knows? But, you know, Jones is a heck of a race car driver. I think he's proven he's got skill for whatever reason, hasn't really worked at the 20 car. But let me ask you this, Philip, and, and this is the last thing I want to discuss before we move ahead because we can get in the silly season and have a four-hour discussion about it. But um, the last thing I want to I want to ask you about, and, and before we talk about the preview of this weekend's races, is the future of the 43 car without Bubba Wallace. If Bubba doesn't says, you know what, I'm, I'm going to take the opportunity of Chip Ganassi, which it sounds like he has. I'm going to go there. It's, it's an opportunity of a lifetime. I can't pass it up. 
I appreciate Andrew Merstein. I appreciate Richard Petty. I appreciate all the, the partners over there. That They were great to me. They really helped. They took a shot at me when really they didn't have to. Um, so I give them a lot of credit. Thank you so much. But I had to take this opportunity to get nasty. What do you think the future of that car is? Who do you think drives there? Um, and are you concerned about the future of that race team if Bubba is gone? Now, Andrew Merstein sounds pretty committed. I will say that if he's putting money in the Bubba Wallace and saying, I'll give you 10% of 20% of the team, it sounds like he's very committed. Um, he sounds very committed. They seem like they want to keep this 43 team going, which is good. Um, but And he also said he had a, a star driver approach him about the 43 car. Now, the, what, the definition of a star might be different between he, him and mine and yours, Philip. What do you think about yeah. this 43 in the future? Who do you think could drive there? Yeah, you, you look at there's been questions about the viability of this organization for many years. Um, it was it's it's been in play ever since Bubba's been in the car. Uh, when they had the Smithfield money with Eric Almirola, they weren't Smithfield didn't put the full amount of money that they could have. It's obvious based on what they're doing with Stuart Haas. Um, their complaint was they weren't running up front. Obviously, they weren't paying as much as they they are at Stuart Haas um, for whatever reason. Um, to me, I I see somebody. I don't know about you. I look at the XNA series, and I, I mean, there's a, there's like two or three drivers. I look at Justin Haley. He has the Fraternal Order of Eagles. Uh, I think he has some other money, like Great Clips, because he's, he's got relations with that, with Great Clips. You know, he's done okay. Nothing spectacular. He won the Coke Zero 400 last year for Spire. I think that's somebody that would be there. I look at Brandon Jones, who's got money, daddy's money from Ream and, uh, you know, they he runs a Menard's car in the Xfinity Series because I think Ream and Menard, John Menard, his dad and John Menard are, are close. He's a guy that, you know, at some point you would think would make a move up to the Cup Series, not because he's some elite talent, but because of the money. And it kind of references what Brad Kozlowski was talking about yesterday in his post-race interview prior to signing this one-year extension. I think those are two options. I also look at Austin Hill, who's in the truck series with Vittori Racing. He has money with United Rentals. He ran for the Youngs team, and then all of a sudden, for some reason, Vittori signed him, and he's been pretty solid. Um, it's happened before where people have been brought up right straight from the trucks to the cup. Uh, he's run a, a handful of Xfinity races here and there. I think one of those three guys, I think somebody is going to have money is going to be in that 43 car. Uh, and they'll be around the way that, that they, they've been able to fade a bunch of these situations with money. Um, the worldwide technology guy um, has invested a lot in this organization too. So I think they're not an elite team by any stretch of imagination. They're not a cellar dweller. They're out there, and they're able to make a, make a move here and there. I think somebody out of the XNA series of some money is probably going to be in that car uh, if Bubba leaves uh, for 2021. Yeah, you could definitely see it. And, and that, you know, it's wide open when you think about it. even guys like maybe Noel Gregson who doesn't said that, you know, he doesn't have anything for junior, with Junior Motorsports next season. Uh, there's a lot of options. And, you know, you, you bring up 
your last point again was really good as far as um, you know what that team is. Listen, it, it got Bubba, it propelled Bubba Wallace into if he does leave, it propels him into a a, a better ride. And, and you know, I I cringe when I hear drivers say, oh, "I'm not taking that ride because it's not good enough. I'm not going to take anything I can't win in." Because your career is usually over after that. And you know, a couple of guys here recently have proven that if you take a, a, a lesser ride and you perform well in it, you can get an opportunity at a bigger shot. Matt Benedetto did that with, you know, BK Racing, and then, of course, he got to the 32. And then um, you also saw him go to the 95, and he did very, very well. Now he's in the 21, which is a very, very competitive ride. Um, Bubba Wallace would be an opportunity like that. You know, um, you've had Eric Amarola. So, you know, a lot of drivers have taken these rides, and, and even Corey LaJoy now. I think a lot of people look at Corey LaJoy as maybe a guy who can get an, at the next tier ride, and maybe he moves to the 43. Um, but there's a lot of different options out there, and um, it's going to be fascinating to see. We'll, we'll keep track of it and try and figure it out. But let me say this, too. You know, once one domino falls, usually everything else kind of lines up into place. And uh, you start to hear a lot of news coming out. So these next couple of weeks, I think from now until maybe the middle of September, we're going to have a lot of news. We're going to figure out a lot of things as far as 2020 is concerned. Because uh, once one dominoes falls, which which was today with Kozlowski, um, I think you're going to hear a lot of news coming up uh, with the silly season. Okay, Philip, let's discuss this weekend. Uh, Michigan International Speedway doubleheader weekend. Um we have the first race on Saturday at 4 o'clock. It's the Firekeepers Casino 312 at Michigan. Uh, it's a 4 o'clock race, like I said, on Saturday. And then, of course, you have the Sunday race at 4.30 on NBCSN. Uh, that's the Consumer Energy 312. So um, two races at Michigan. Michigan, I will say it's not my favorite track. I, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I have a, a feeling it's not your favorite racetrack either. Um, but what are your thoughts on this weekend at Michigan? Uh, who do you think is going to be fast? You think, you know, Kozlowski has had some success there. Ford's backyard. You also got Chevrolet, who really needs to perform well there they're in their backyard. Could they figure out a way to get uh, some speed here? What are your thoughts on um, on Michigan in the Cup Series? Yeah, I mean, they're not going to put down, I don't know if they're going to put down PJ1, uh, Grip Strip, uh, but they probably could do that. It would help. Uh, with the 550 rules package, it's definitely bad. At least before before stages and all that, you'd have some fuel mileage. You'd have some things with that um, two 300 mile races. At least by it being 300, just over 300 miles. I don't think the fuel mile. I guess I was thinking fuel mileage would be a thing. I don't know. Maybe it will be. Uh, it kind of, they built it up yesterday to be that way. It really wasn't um, at New Hampshire, which is a track that everyone knows is fuel mileage and people have run out and late. Tony lost, I think, two or three races there because of that. But I figure the the, the usual suspect, I think Kevin Arvick is definitely uh, a favorite. Uh, the Fords are, are definitely capable of uh, doing work. And, you know, you got, I mean, Brad Keselowski's never won at home. And now that he has signed this extension, I think it's a perfect opportunity for him to go and pay that off. 
uh, finally go and get that win. It's Penske, it used to be a Penske track. Penske was the owner and built that track. So uh, Penske loves to win there. And Detroit, uh, Joey Logano's always been has been there, been really good there in recent years. So uh, I think it's going to be a very Ford-centric weekend. But you know the Martin Truex, the uh, Denny Hamlin will also be up there just based on their previous stats along with what they've been doing this year uh, in uh, the Cup Series. Yeah. Um, I think that's certainly – the Fords are certainly somebody to look at. We'll see if Toyota can compete with them as well with Hamlin and Martin Trex Jr. and even Kyle Busch who um, you know, hasn't shown a lot of speed this year and hasn't had a lot of luck this year. We'll see if their fortunes turn around. At Michigan, uh, and NASCAR Xfinity Series, they're going to run uh, at Road America this weekend. Um, this race is going to be at um, on Saturday, August eighth. That's Saturday, this Saturday at noon on NBCSN. So uh, if you're interested in the Xfinity Series, uh, that's what's going on there. It's a road course event. Um, not my favorite cup of tea, but let me ask you this, Philip. Uh, you know, can anybody compete with Austin Cedric? He's usually a, a unbelievably dominant force on these road courses, and uh, he's been very, very fast recently. Do you see anybody challenging Austin Cedric for the win on Saturday at Road America? There's two names. It's uh, his basically his rival for the title right now, and me as a mark, uh, Chase Briscoe, who just this past weekend was at Road America uh, driving a GT4 Mustang as uh, basically testing practice, not like uh, Alex LeBay trying to go and run an Xfinity car during an SECA race. That's a whole story for another day. Um, Chase Briscoe and A.J. Allmendinger, who those three guys ended up having a battle uh, late during the Indianapolis race for the win. Uh, those are the three guys that are, I mean, it, it, everyone, it, it makes sense. First, Cindric uh, is that road course ringer, basically, and he ought to be able to do this. And I'm sure he hates losing at Ohio because of the family lineage and all that. He would have been a, a big favorite there. I don't know why they're, I mean, now I know because it, because of COVID, but those are the three guys uh, that can go and really are the three favorites. There are some other intriguing prospects within the field, depending on if things land a certain way, uh, that if, the, if they get some luck or some things or some strategy, we could see some uh, different people up there uh because of their capabilities. But I think it, it starts and ends with one of those three guys. Agreed. And, and something else to keep an eye on, and, and when you look at the entry list from this weekend at Road America, and I wish we had more time or I'd bring it up, but Alex LeBay uh, in the 90 car on the current entry list, but there's rumors he might be suspended for a very interesting move. And I'll get your opinion on it here quick, Philip. I know there's not a, a ton of time I don't want to spend on this, but um, DGM calls, DGM Racing apparently uh, brought a car to well, look like an Xfinity Series car to Daytona Road Course. Ran I think seven laps out there in an SCCA 
uh, test session or something to that nature with Alex LeBay. They, NASCAR found him, shut him down, and basically told him to go home. Uh, and it looks like, you know, nothing's official has come out there yet, but NASCAR can't be too happy about that. And uh, it could cost LeBay here a run at the championship. What were your thoughts when you saw that? Do you think NASCAR should penalize them? Because there, uh, there is no testing. If anybody's not familiar, there's no testing. You can't test at all, whether it's on a non-sanctioned NASCAR track or sanctioned NASCAR track. You can't test at all. And LeBay and that team went to a test that wasn't a NASCAR sanctioned test, but they went there anyway in what looked like a NASCAR car. What are your thoughts on the LeBay situation, and do you think he deserves it and that warrants a suspension? They're going to suspend him because that's NASCAR's way of doing things. They'd rather go and suspend the little guy and try to end organizations. Um, the fact that they they tried to figure out a way to get around the rule, I give Mario Goslin, who's got an interesting path, um, some credit for trying uh I mean, here's the reality. They weren't going to win that Daytona road course race even with the laps if they had been able to run all day. Even with Alex LeBay, who is a really talented race car driver and a former cast car champion, they weren't going to win that race unless it rained and some other crap happened. Um, it's I They're, they're going to suspect. And they're going to screw them out of the opportunity to win this week, have an opportunity to to compete because it's a case of being able to compete when you go to road America, Daytona road course, Daytona, you know, for the final race of the play of this regular season, those are three opportunities for a small organization to be able to do something, especially with a talent like Alex Abay. He's not going to be driving. I think they're probably going to nail him for a couple of races. Um, and uh, it's going to be an unfortunate deal for that organization, a team that has very little money. Um, but I got to give them credit for the um, ingenuity or trying to get around an issue in a sense, whether they were trying to get around something or not. Yeah, ingenuity is something that is so gone in this sport now with how tight the yeah. rules are and anything that we see. Um and it is, you know, the unfortunate thing is, like you said, it, he's probably going to get suspended. And LeBay, to me, was sort of following two orders. You know, he wasn't really in a, a – I don't think he was in the wrong there. Um, he's Like I said, he's for, sort of following team orders there. But uh, at the end of the day, you know, you can't test, and they tested. Um, and I would have been – and I don't know the, the specs of the SCCA cars, but – uh, I would have been interested to see if if it was actually an SCAA car, not a NASCAR Xfinity Series car, whether the penalty would have been different. But, um, man, it took a lot of guts to go out there and uh, on a track that – not like you could have gone to Road America or Road Atlanta, I should say, and, and done it, or it could have gone to uh, the, the, the road course in Virginia and maybe nobody would have saw you. But to go out there and test uh, at a road course that – I know it's going to be the one that he ran at, and – it's right across the street from NASCAR and their offices. I mean, that took a lot of guts. And um, unfortunately, you know, I think they're going to ultimately pay the price for it. Truck Series event this weekend also from Michigan. Uh, it's Friday night at uh, 6 o'clock from Michigan. Uh, Truck Series event. There was 41 entries. David Reagan and the 17 entered. 
in the select blinds did not make it because of of the way they're qualifying, quote unquote. Before the entries um, in the race, uh, guys to keep an eye out for. You have Burton in the 44 if you like him. Ryan Truex is in the 40. That's both in these motorsports uh, to go with. Uh, Ty Majeski in the 45. Um, you also have in the 51 this weekend is Chandler Smith. David Gravel is driving for GMS Racing, making his first start. Somebody to keep an eye on. He's a, he's a dirt standout. A lot of people are sort of comparing him to Jeff Gordon. Um, you have Trey Hutchins down in the 14. Um, what are your thoughts this weekend, Philip? Uh, uh, the truck. Oh, John Hunter Nemechek's in the eight for Nemco this week as well, which we haven't really seen Nemco in a while. So it's good to see John Hunter in the eight this weekend. What are your thoughts on the truck series race from Michigan? I figure GMS is going to continue what they've been doing in recent races. I mean, David Gravel, the defending uh, Knoxville Nationals champion, uh, he's the rookie and on pavement, still figuring out his way, and he's trying to make a move here to run pavement, uh, balancing sprints and running uh, trucks and whatever, ARCA, TNN. I think Brett Moffitt, you look at Tyler Ingram, who needs to win, basically, to make it now. Zane Smith has been a, a, a revelation this year with Bono Mannion. Those those guys, uh, you know, Brett Moffitt, of course, that team announced a throwback a scheme for the final race of the year in, in, a, in honor of Jimmy Johnson uh, here uh, today, but I think it's going to be a GMS kind of day. Uh, you look at, but, you know, the big three teams that are in this truck series all have their 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 players. You have you have Eckes uh, in the 18. You have the guys in the Thor Sport truck, Matt Grafton. He's 178, and he finally won again. So he's running with, with house money, him and Junior Joyner. You know, Grant and Finger. I, I, I mean, and Johnny Sauter. I, 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 if he hasn't won there, he's run really well there. He's been around since you know, since Zeus too. So, um, you know, it's going to be a, a trucks. The truck series rules package is basically made for Michigan International Speedway. As long as weather holds up, I think the the truck race will probably be the best race they have the whole entire weekend. Yeah, it usually is when they go to Michigan. Trucks have had a lot of great finishes there. Even back when I remember Eric Darnell beat, I think it was Johnny Benson back in 07. Yeah. That was a heck of a finish. Yeah. And, and uh, Michigan was also the race where we had, uh, wasn't it Hornaday? And I think it was Sauter spinning in turns. In no, turn, basically Kansas. almost wrecking. Oh, that was Kansas. Okay. Uh, but either way, they, Michigan usually puts on some pretty good, pretty exciting racing for the trucks. There's no question about that. Um, but, Listen, you brought, I think you brought up some solid points there as far as um, the teams to look out for. GMS Racing has been really, really fast this year. Uh, I've really been impressed with Thor Sports. First time since they've been at Ford that they really seem to have their arms around things and are really starting to figure things out. Uh, I am interested to see Christian Eckes and Austin Hill. They're two really guys from Toyota I'm really looking out for. Also, uh, uh, like I said, Austin Hill and Christian Eckes. You know, will we see some speed out of Stuart Friesen? Um, that's another question I have for the truck series. Also, Ty Majeski, will we see speed there? 
they kind of need to to do some, uh, you know, winning, I guess, or do everything they can to try and win because they're so far back in the points to try and make the playoffs. They have to figure out a way to get to victory lane. Uh, So maybe some aggressive pick calls might be in store for them. Uh, Will we see Todd Gillen? I know that's a guy Spencer likes to talk about a lot. Will we see him uh, show some speed this week? It's going to be interesting to watch. So the truck series again Friday night. If you're interested in that, also I know a lot of people like Parker Kligerman. He's running this weekend as well in the Henderson Motorsports uh, number 75 this weekend as well. So I want to thank everybody for listening and talking in circles. Uh, We'll see you next time. We'll break it all down. Michigan Road America will break it all down here next week, Monday at 9 o'clock. We'll see you then on Talking in Circles. Good night, everybody. We'll see you next time.